Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Season Ticks. My name is Daniel. As y'all may know, we're going to go ahead and get caught up on some sports news real quick. And I'll start off with uh, boxing today. Uh, as a lot of you may know, if you listen to the previous podcast, I had Deontay Wilder winning that uh, match last weekend. However, he did not. He His corner ended up throwing the towel um, after the seventh round due to... I'm going to assume, due to the fact that he was bleeding from his ear, um, it was a very, very contested fight. Um, all around, I felt like Wilder went in thinking he was going to be able to brawl his way out of the actual boxing match against an actual boxer. And uh, when you don't prepare to fight a boxer, chances are you're going to end up getting knocked out because he's going to pretty much do what he is skilled to do, which is outbox you. Overall, I think it was a great fight, um, a great actual buildup to the fight. Uh, I felt that in the third round, or yeah, it was the third round, he uh, Deontay Wilder got knocked out, maybe, uh, or knocked down, I should say, maybe, uh, maybe Fury hit him in the back of the head. Uh, it's possible, but I'm... I'm not ruling it out, but I'm also not ruling it in. Uh, it's you know kind of hard to say just looking at the film, um, rewatching it as we speak. There it is, um, that right hand just kind of sort of lands in the back of his head, uh, which as we all know that's you know illegal in boxing. Then the fifth round, you know he lands that uh, that left hand to Deontay Wilder's body. Tyson Fury does. And, you know, in the sixth round, he does a little tongue thing where he's, like, almost licking the blood off of Deontay Wilder, uh, which I think it was a little comical and a little uh, unsanitary, if you ask me, with the uh, coronavirus going around. Uh, I don't know if I want to lick someone else's blood um, at any at any route. Um, so in the seventh round, Deontay Wilder's corner pretty much throws in the towel. Because at this point in time, Deontay Wilder is completely and utterly rocked. Um, about a week ago, I want to say a week ago, maybe four days ago, Deontay Wilder comes out and reports to Yahoo Sports that he felt like he no longer had any legs at the time of the fight due to the fact that he was wearing a 40 to 45 pound costume. First of all, and that he didn't know it was going to weigh that much. Okay, so let's analyze this. You came out with the greatest excuse of all time, which, yeah, the 45-pound costume is heavy. I had to walk half a mile in it just to get him to the ring and this and then and the other, and I'm out of legs, and and that's fine. However, I'm going to say that Perhaps you've worn this um, costume or uniform, if you want to call it that, before. I don't see you not necessarily not knowing how much it weighs. You don't strike me as the guy that would leave details like that to to just up in the air. Um, but okay. We'll, we'll let you make it with, with that excuse as far as I don't have any legs. If that's the case, bud, you need to go ahead and work on your strength and conditioning. 
right? Um, he is exercising his third uh, fight option, which is well within his right. It wasn't written in the contract, which, you know, again, awesome. And that, that's great news for the world of boxing. Boxing needed this fight. Boxing needed to see two heavyweights go back and forth, talking all the smack in the world, and then backing it up, just like Tyson Fury did. I will say this with the excuse that Deontay Wilder made. Next time, if you decide to come out with a uniform, please make sure that it stays within the 10 to 15 pound range because anything beyond that almost looks like we'll take you out. The uniform itself or the costume will take you out uh, by the time you get on the ring, in the ring. Um, so next time when you do that, and if Fury knocks you out, not when, but if he does knock you out a second time, then you will have zero excuse and you will have to give Fury his props. Um, I'm not going rah-rah for Fury here. I'm just saying sometimes talking too much does get you caught up. And, of course, this will not be the exception, right? Um, now, with Tyson Fury, he did what he was pretty much skilled to do, which is outbox his opponent. Uh, in my personal opinion, um, he is a great comeback story. Uh, if y'all don't know, not too long ago, the man was heavy into drugs. He was battling depression, as you know, a lot of us have done in the past. And to be able to do that and overcome a drug addiction and a you know mental health, um, I want to call it disease, but a situation, yeah, it speaks volumes of a man. Um, not only that, but this time around in his actual camp, he knocked out sodas completely. The man, the last time he said he was throwing down, you know, anywhere between, I, he said anywhere between 25 to 30 sodas a day. Said he loves Diet Coke. Uh, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> if he knocked down 30 to 20 sodas on a daily basis, your body just went, he, it's probably thanking you for it right now. Um, let alone the fact that you kicked out, kicked out a bad drug habit. Um, I mean, I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you it's probably not the easiest thing in the world to be able to do that, battle an addiction and depression at the same time. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be something to, you know, applaud the man for. Um, again, not going rah-rah for Fury here, not really picking sides, but at the end of the day, you can clearly see who was the better boxer in this particular fight. Um, there have been rumors about uh, Wilder, you know, possibly firing his uh, his boxing manager. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily fair because at the end of the day, your manager's um, job is to make sure that he's looking out for you and for your safety. Uh, you have a daughter and... Um, people that depend on you at the end of the day uh, to walk out of the ring alive, right? Regardless of whether you win or lose or draw, it's his responsibility to make sure that you get out of there alive. And if he's seeing that you're about to get murdered, legally murdered inside of a ring, his responsibility is to throw in the towel. And I don't blame him for it. You Wilder looked like he was going to go down like a sack of potatoes just out for the count um so in my particular opinion 
I don't think that would be fair to his manager. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he is a grown man. He makes his own decisions. Hopefully, he has learned from this fight. And I don't want to necessarily say, you know, changes com- completely changes uh, fighting style, but maybe tweak it a little bit where you, you know, are able to move a little bit more and, and I'll, you know, box a little bit more rather than just uh, stand there, take the punches and, and wait for a good counter. Because, I mean, Wilder has a hell of a punch. He will, he is a one punch knockout kind of guy. Uh, he doesn't have to work you. If he wants, he could drop you on the, you know, second, third round. But, I mean, that's no fun, right? Um, so, yeah. I mean, lots of things to learn from this fight. Obviously, like I said, and I'll keep saying it again, you got outboxed. And if you want to not get outboxed, tweak your tweak your fighting game. That's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, speaking of games, um, a gentleman that keeps playing games is uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, now his camp is, is saying that, uh, well, I don't want to say his camp, but a, there are reports of him saying that um, it will be a surprise if he ends up with the Patriots next year. And the, it is it would not be a surprise if he walks out of there. Um, obviously, this is just Tom making noise and making sure that uh, certain information leaks out of his quote-unquote camp. Uh, in order to be able to put pressure on the New England Patriots. And to be honest with you, it today is uh, February 27th. The CBA is not completed yet, the new CBA agreement. And honestly, he's doing the Patriots a favor at this point because he's saying, sign me now that you have the opportunity to do so before we go into a possible lockout or... You know, just wait until the lockout is over and then you have to pay me even more if you want to keep me. Uh, I personally don't think he's going to walk out. Uh, I've explained this many, many times. He's in a system where he is comfortable playing in. Uh, He's in a system that obviously needs weapons for him and a little bit better of an O-line. However, you just don't walk away from a town that loves you um, unconditionally, um, sure enough, there were some Patriot fans booing him off the field, uh, the last, uh, the last playoff season and, um, shame on them, right? Uh, because they've gotten six, six rings out of the man. Uh, no one else has been able to do that in the game of football. It is unheard of. And New England has been spoiled rotten in the last However long he's been playing, uh, possibly two decades. So let's not kid ourselves here. Tom Brady's still the GOAT. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. He's just making noise, putting pressure on the Patriots, saying, hey, sign me now. I love you. Do not let me go. <laughs> That's all that it is. Um, but, yeah, um, one situation that doesn't seem to be moving forward either is the Dak Prescott. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Dak Prescott contract talks. Those are on a complete standstill at this point. Um, Although there are reports showing that um, Dak Prescott's agent reached out to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, Wednesday, February the 26th. But nothing has been publicized or posted showing that uh, a contract agreement has been reached. And to be honest with you, 
I'm thinking at this particular point in time, he's going to be franchised. And I don't blame the Dallas Cowboys for doing it because at this particular point in time, in the very unlikely event that Tom Brady does not re-sign with New England, there is a chance, very slim chance, but a chance nonetheless, that Jerry Jones goes goes after Tom Brady and uh, to try and make a Super Bowl run. A lot of people are saying this is far-fetched, but we have to see all sides of it, right? Uh, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback that has ever lived, and many will argue this, and they will say, no, it's John Mo- Joe Montana, no, it's Dan Marino, no, it's Eli Manning, no, it's Peyton Manning, and uh, it's a never-ending story. Um, but he is one of the greatest to ever play the game of football. I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry makes a run for it and says, okay, come to Dallas. We will give you what you need. We have weapons. We have an offensive line. And more specifically, this is Dallas. It is a big football market team. It is a worldwide recognized brand. You are a worldwide recognized brand. Why don't we join forces and make this happen now rather than later when you're for real completely gone at that particular point in time? Like I said, it's not far-fetched. It's possible. Um, But it's a very, like I said, slim chance, a tiny chance that that could happen. Um, Would I be bought into it? Would I buy into that? I, I don't know. I I personally don't think it's a good idea to bring a 43-year-old some you know quarterback. Yes, he is great. Yes, and he still somewhat got it. But our offense, our players are not used to playing with Tom Brady. It will take some time to get used to, and I'm sure our players are capable of picking it up. However, Again, getting used to it, and then what do you do with Dak? Do you trade him and and get who to sit behind Tom Brady? It's just, it will pretty much create a mess. Wherever Tom Brady goes to, if they already have established quarterback, chances are it's going to create a mess afterwards. Because of the salary cap, because of the backup that's going to sit a a, uh, prior starter is going to sit as a backup and I mean honestly a lot of these guys have egos um, a lot of these guys don't like being told what to do a lot of these guys prefer to be a starter they have worked hard to be in that particular role so now all of a sudden Tom Brady comes in and yes he's a proven quarterback but not proven in that particular system not proven in that town and he is just gonna take over my spot really um, nah, I don't think so. You can trade me if you want to. And then at that particular point in time, that one valuable piece that you had in your team, perhaps one of the most important pieces of the team in order for the team to function is going to walk away or is asking you to walk, you know, to, to trade him away. Um, I mean, again, it's not necessarily a great thing if he goes somewhere else, but uh, looking at it from a short goal point of view, 
yeah, it's a good thing on the long run, not so much. And um, that's going to be it for me on the NFL. Uh, we're going to shift uh, gears here and go into the NBA. Now, the All-Star Weekend has passed, and it's been great, and the drama in the NBA continues to build up. Uh, ben Simmons went out, uh, went down last week with an injury. Uh, it looks like it's a back injury. And now Joel Embiid just went out last week, or last night, I should say, against the Cavaliers. And the 76ers ended up losing that game. Uh, Joel Embiid went out on the first in the first quarter with a shoulder sprain, according to MRIs and uh, reports this morning. I... Things are spiraling out of control over in uh in Philly really quickly for the 76ers. Um your two superstars just went down. I we don't know when Ben Simmons is coming back. We don't know how severe the Joel Embiid uh situation is. If it's really a sprain, I want to say anywhere between 1 to 2 weeks, I'm not a doctor, but just ballparking it there. Uh it's very possible that he may or may not be ready for the playoffs. Um, same thing with Ben Simmons. Uh, they're very fragile players and very injury-prone, both of them. Ben Simmons, I think he's already lost 10 to 12 and beat anywhere between 7 to 10 games this season alone. Uh, the chemistry, honestly, to me, it, it's just not there. It's not there yet, and uh, people were saying, "Oh, just wait until the all until after the All Star and this and that and the other," and it's just not consistent enough. And it's just not consistent enough, and in the in a in a div, not I want to say division, but in a conference that is as quote unquote easy as the East is. Honestly, the, the Sixers should be running the table. You got Tobias Harris, you got Ben Simmons. You have Joel Embiid. You have a lot of great pieces around you. And yet, you know, for some reason, you're not taking advantage of them. So, with that being said, I don't see the actual Sixers getting past the first round of the playoffs, um, in my opinion. And if you do, I mean, guess who you're facing next? You're facing Milwaukee more than likely. And they are going to end you easily without... I mean, they're not gonna even. They're not even gonna break a sweat, and you're you're done. Um, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, they continue running the table all over the NBA. They are still holding the best record in the East, um, the West as well. I mean, best record in the NBA altogether. The cohesiveness within that particular team is incredible they are deep a very deep team obviously they have Giannis Antetokounmpo who is just out of control good and if he has a quote-unquote bat night where he's just where he's not dropping 45 points and you know grabbing 12 boards and assisting nine times guess what's happening Chris Middleton is taking over and he's dropping 40 and he's assisting you know 10 and grabbing seven rebounds, no problem. Uh, their bench, I mean, at least three or two or three players will score to the double digits. 
Um, they're just very a very efficient basketball team and a very well-ran organization, in, in my opinion. I obviously see them winning the East. Uh, they got to get past Toronto, um, in my opinion, which you know is another really great franchise at this point. Uh, Pascal Siakam is just unbelievable. I mean, he's probably the most improved player in this year um, that they have, that the NBA has. Um, Boston, also Boston, uh, to all my Boston Celtics fans, man, y'all may just do it this year in the East. I'm not going to lie. It's it, it's looking pretty good. However, let's pump the brakes on the Jason uh, Jason Tatum uh, MVP talks, please. Let, let's stop that. I mean, yes, I get it. The last nine games, he's been absolutely great. But it's not about, you know, nine games. No, it's about the whole entire year and consistency the whole entire year. Yes, the Boston Celtics are not the same without Jason Tatum. We said that same thing about Campbell Walker. And guess what? The Boston Celtics have shown that they don't necessarily need him. Uh, It's a great commodity to have Campbell Walker in your team, but it's not a necessity. And they're showing him because Jason Tatum is stepping up. He's the most valuable player in that team. Is he the most valuable player in the NBA? Not quite. Not yet, at least. I mean, he definitely is showing amazing flashes of it. Uh, He can create his own shot. He can play off the ball. You know, he doesn't slack off on defense. He plays two-way ball, which is amazing, in, in my opinion. Again, but no, not not MVP. Not yet. Let's pump the brakes just a tiny bit there. Um, and it's just, again, for me, it's the consistency, right? For other folks, it's like, oh, well, you know, went on a 15-game tear here and you know scored over 20 points every night. That's yeah, great and dandy. But are you doing that consistently? Are you maintaining availability as far as your injuries and all of that? Come on, let's let's take into consideration all those factors as well. Let's not just jump into the media bandwagon that says, "Oh, you know, Jason Tatum for MVP at this point." No, no, let's pump the brakes, create your own opinions, create your own takes, and that's it, right? That's just how it works. Um, in the West, obviously, the LA Lakers who were going through a tough transition at the beginning of the year uh, with uh, the passing of the great Kobe Bryant. Howard um, continued to you know, run the table in the West. Obviously, the great game against the Celtics, I think, was amazing. Uh, both players showed out. LeBron shows out and welcomes uh, Zion Williamson into the NBA uh, with some great, you know, some great plays. I think... They are they're a toss-up in the playoffs for me. I don't see the, I want to say sense of urgency, but I also don't see the longevity or the av- availability of Anthony Davis being what it needs to be, which is night in, night out. We need you... You know, five out of seven games, um, because that's how quickly they'll get through the first round, uh, believe it or not. But what happens when you have to play the Clippers? 
and Pat Beverly starts getting dirty. And the refs are swallowing their whistles. and They're no longer giving you the friendly calls. What's going to happen then? Uh, is LeBron going to lose focus and you know show that inconsistency in the playoffs? Uh, is Anthony Davis going to go down, you know, chasing a ball, or, or you know, just put it, put it plainly, getting hurt? Um, for me, they're they're a toss up. I know I picked them to win the NBA Finals, but at this particular point in time. What I have seen, what my eyes have seen out of the Clippers and the way that they are playing, it's it's something else, right? Um, the Clippers are a very strategic and very smart franchise. The way that they've built that team around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is amazing. Um, I'm not a big fan of the quote-unquote load management situation. But it is what it is, right? You do whatever it takes to win a championship. At the end of the day, that is the um, the MO, uh, the objective, is to win a, a ring and, um, and and host the O'Brien Trophy uh, because that's that that's what you pay all these guys for, right, to, to win a championship. Obviously, human touch has to go into, into consideration when these guys go through you know injuries and whatnot, and you got to give them some time off, and and that's fine. I, you know, again, you do what you do with your franchise. I'm I'm not the owner. That's that's clear. Um, but going back to it, the Clippers are heavy, heavy contenders at this point to win the West and win the NBA Finals. Period. They are they're really good. They're again a very deep and cohesive unit. Uh, they keep they've just added more weapons into their arsenal, and just I mean their main player Kawhi Leonard plays out of control good. Um, he is the most cool, calm, and collected of, of of ball players. Although you know he's been known to you know call out his uh, teammates, <laughs> or at least he did last week in an interview. Uh, but I mean. When you're fed up, you're fed up, and you kind of want to rally your troops. Some troops get um, get a sense of urgency from their leader once their leader calls them out. Others don't. Others prefer to deal with it in private. Uh, you know, prime example is LeBron James when he was in the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and all players meeting, uh, which, you know, excluded the coaches and assistants, etc. So... Again, LA Clippers, to me, yeah, they're going to be able to run the table there in, in the West and in the NBA Finals. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks uh, continue to go on a tear. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks are a very good road team. They have the ability to create a lot of offense. Um, their defense is still lacking. Uh, I mean, the fact that another team can put 120 on you, 119, 120, you know, 10, that's a problem. You want to hold off your opponents to as much as you can, right? To less than 100. But, I mean, this is the new NBA where everything is a three-pointer and uh, and transition ball, uh, basically. And uh, nobody plays defense. <laughs> Suddenly, the Houston Rockets, however, their formula starts working. Uh, Russ is back to his usual self, back to, you know, pretty much 
running to the rim. Uh, James Harden continues to be unbelievably effective. Uh, continues to do his thing with the um, with the contact and the foul and the foul, foul throw shooting and the free throw shooting. Excuse me. Um, it seems to be working now, but uh, let's see. Let's see what happens. You know, you have zero height. You're playing all small ball. You can only run for so long when you have to play six games in the la- in the next two weeks or seven games in the next two weeks. It- it's kind of difficult. Um, obviously, James Harden is not 22 years old, and neither is Russell Westbrook. Um, but they do have the experience. They do have the MVP and the caliber to be able to pull the team together and make them contenders. Um, do I think they're going to win the NBA Finals? Absolutely not. They're not even going to make it. Um, it's been a while since Russell Westbrook made it out the uh, first round, right? Then um, he's a- another very uh, emotional leader when it comes to the game of basketball and when it comes to playoffs. Uh, if you take a good hard look in the regular season, like I said, the refs will make the friendly calls, no problem. But when it comes to playoff time, you're going to get a different ref. You get a ref that's going to swallow their his or her whistle a little bit more and allow you to play ball, right? Because at the end of the day, the fans want to see fluish, you know, the flow of the game, and they're going to want to see a little bit more hard ball rather than just, you know, stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. Um, so with that being said, though that's – what I have from the NBA now, the Pelicans are trying to make a run into the playoffs. Do I think they're going to make it? Highly unlikely. Um, they're really good, solid, young team. I mean, they have Lonzo Ball. They, hire, they have Mark Ingram. They have superstar in the making, Zion Williamson. They have, I mean, Drew Holiday. They have, they have lots of weapons in their, in their team. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that Pieces are all what they're supposed to be, and everybody knows their role. Um, obviously, as young as they are, you almost kind of categorize them as a above a level above what can be considered a college team. Um, they're still good. They're still an NBA team. They are professionals, um, but I just believe that they just have to be patient and have a little more time together. And things will start developing for them. Um, but as far as the season is concerned, I mean, we're all there for the entertainment value of it. Uh, same thing for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're magnificent. I think John Morant is a very good draw to the television, right? Um, if you look at the ratings, the ratings go up once John Morant uh, faces off against you know another team in the West because of his explosiveness, his ability to make extraordinary plays and explosive plays at that um but i mean that's what it is and i'm i think i'm leaving one team behind that i've said that's been the biggest um surprise for me this season and it's gonna be the miami heat if miami decides to make a run which i believe they will into the east uh man the he's better watch out yeah they're they're going to give a lot of players a lot of headaches. So beware of the Miami Heat. They have Jimmy Butler. They have Tyler Hero. They have Olenek. 
They have Dragic. I mean, they have a good unit. So be careful out there. I'm just saying it's not for everybody in Miami Heat, but just keep watching them. Keep watching them. Um, so we're going to go to the combine real quick here. And the debate is still going on with Tua Tokovaloa and Joe Burrow. Who's going to go number one? Is it going to be him or is it going to be the other? Is it going to be Tua or is it going to be Joe Burrow? Um, reports came out last week uh, or this earlier this I keep saying last week, but earlier this week that Joe Burrow has small hands. And very comically, he took on the Twitter saying that he was thinking about uh, possibly just calling it quits and retiring after reports of his nine-inch hands, <laughs> which is comical to me, right? Um, because we're all seeing where this is going as far as the height and the athleticism of the players. Um, we see it in Drew Brees, right? Uh, easily Hall of Fame quarterback uh, and Super Bowl champion. We see it in Russell Wilson, again, another easily first ballot Hall of Famer and Super Bowl champion. And, you know, Dak Prescott, I'm not going to call him a Hall of Famer or Super Bowl champion because he's neither one of or the other yet. Uh, but the smaller, more durable quarterback is starting to emerge. Um, I'm not sure exactly why the... NFL Combine scouts get so caught up in the measurements when, I'm sorry, the measurement on the field does not play for the player. I mean, just the fact that you're 6'4 doesn't mean that you're going to be an accurate thrower. The fact that you're you know, 6'7 weighing 255 doesn't mean that you're going to be an athletic quarterback. It doesn't. Plain and simple, folks. Like, hey, let's think about these things before we say, oh, he's got small hands. Oh, my God, what's he going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to throw it? Is he going to be able to at least chug it to the running back? Let's calm down, okay? Measurements, measurements to me, mean absolutely nothing on the field. You can bench press 225 pounds 30 times, but if you miss your tackle, if you miss your assignment, your measurements mean jack freaking squat so relax with the measurement guys uh, just think about these things for a second okay um to me it's very important that we look at the mind of a player because at the end of the day they're going to be the ones making those decisions how cool calm and collected are they under pressure especially a quarterback the long the short-term memory what do they do after they've thrown an interception? Do they go out on the sideline and they pout and they throw things around, they throw their helmet around and they freak out entirely coming off the field, taking off their helmet and tossing it onto the bench? What do they do? How do they react? How do they behave? You know, what kind of relationship do they have with other players? Is he a likable guy? Those are things to consider because at the end of the day, you're the one signing him onto your franchise and possibly making him your franchise player. Anyway, now that I've ended with that rant, um, something that kind of uh, made me a little happy was the fact that uh, Tua Tovaloa 
is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Now, that doesn't mean he wants to be drafted by the Cowboys. That that doesn't mean that at all. He'd be happy if they did, but we all know that's not going to happen. Um, it's very far-fetched. Tua Tocabaloa will not be... Uh, by the time the Dallas Cowboys are ready to pick, he's not going to be on the board. Point blank, period. He's not going to be. Um, I believe Burrow will go one, Chase Young two, Tocabaloa three, and uh, those are my top three. Uh, Chase Young is uh, an incredible defensive end uh, with amazing athleticism, unbelievable burst and speed, explosiveness off the ball, just amazing. Um, I like him a lot. I liked him a lot when he was in Ohio State. And players like that actually translate very well into the NFL. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong about him. I hope uh, he doesn't you know, prove me wrong. And uh, more specifically, hope that, you know, he makes it big because the NCAA gave him the hardest time in the world uh, when it came to being able to play and possibly being able to compete in a national championship. So with that being said, folks, um, that's all I have. I really don't want to bore you a whole lot with more details. Again, just remember I am on in tw- on Twitter at uh, Ticks Season. That's again at T I X S E A S O N. Shoot me any messages you want. Uh, also, follow uh, Big D Sports Media. I'll probably be getting on there and writing a couple blogs. And one last thing, guys. Um, guys, girls, do you ever feel like your hands are dry? Like they feel like sandpaper sometimes? Especially after you've hit the weights and you're starting to feel your calves are a little hard and dry and just your hands are dry. You've been working outdoors, been working on the yard and whatnot. I have the solution for you. Um, There is a website I would like you to go to. The website is www.thebodyartisan.com where you can find all kinds of hand lotions uh, and also body lotions. Uh, the one I'm holding here in my hand is a soothing cream. It's definitely therapeutic. It's completely organic. It's handmade. It's made, handmade here in Texas. Again, the website is www.thebodyartisan.com. Uh, just to mention some of the ingredients, shea butter, coconut oil, pure honey, essential oil. And I use this stuff myself. It is incredible, right? Um, I go to my job every day, right? Um, I wash my hands, and the soap they have there is pretty much like dial stuff. Uh, it's really, really just dry. At least my hands are dry. All I need to do after that is go to my desk, open this thing, this this little jar, and grab like not even, not even like a tiny bit of it, rub it in my hands, and I'm ready to go. And it moistures my hands throughout the day. It's fantastic, guys. I recommend it. For anyone who wishes to have soft hands, again, thebodyartisan.com, handmade, completely natural and organic. I appreciate y'all for the support. Thanks again for listening in. I hope y'all have a good one. God bless. Until next week.